Great. So we, uh, as a church, have started reading through the Bible together, and we're planning to read through the whole Bible in two years together. So back in January, we started in Genesis, uh, and then we got through to Exodus, and right now we're hanging out in the book of Leviticus, which, like I said, is actually my favorite book in the entire Bible. And I'm hoping that today you might get a little glimpse of why I love it so much. Is that right? And, and, and I'm honest, I'll be really honest with you. Um, hands up if you've been reading through Leviticus. Yeah? Oh, fantastic. Keep your hand up if it's been tough. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, it is a weird, weird book, isn't it? If you've got a Bible with you, fantastic. You might want to be able to thumb through and look at some of this. If you don't have one and you want one, there are a load of Bibles on a trolley by the door. Um, don't worry about getting up while I'm speaking. Go grab one. That's absolutely fine. Um, but we've been reading through kind of the middle section of the book of Leviticus. So kind of chapters kind of 12, 13, all the way up to, and we've nearly reached the end. So those of you that are reading, you might be pleased to know, I believe that there's one day left of Leviticus and then we're on to another book. <laughs> Heathens, a lot of you. Um, no. Uh, so don't worry, we're out of Leviticus soon. Um, but while we're there, I just, I want to share... A couple of thoughts. There are three things that I want to just pull out today. Uh, two kind of relatively quick points, and then I want to jump into a little passage and just share a thought from that. And I hope that you find it encouraging, and I hope that you find it uh, faith-building and uplifting, because the God of the Bible is a God of hope, God of faith, and a God who lifts us up, even in the book of Leviticus, even there. So, um, to start off with then... You, you may have noticed from chapter 11 through to chapter 15, it got weird, right? It got really weird. And there was a whole load of stuff about skin diseases and childbirth and sex and periods and semen and mold. And it was just a weird, weird few chapters in the Bible, right? Um, and, um, I, and I want to pull out the first thing I want to pull out is this. If you open your Bible to chapter 11, okay, just have a quick look. Look at the first bit. You can scan through to chapter 12, to chapter 13, to chapter 14, to chapter 14, verse 33, to chapter 15. And what you'll notice is that every single section that this stuff pulls up, it always starts with this line. The Lord said to Moses... The Lord said to Moses, do you know what I love about this stuff? There's this weird stuff going on, right, in life. Um, but what Leviticus shows us is that we have a God who is interested even in the weird stuff. We have a God who's interested in every aspect of your life. We've got a God who wants to speak not just into the good, but he wants to speak into the strange and the obscure and the weird and the messy. He wants to talk into all of that stuff and he wants to be part of it. How many of us as Christians do this thing where we say, Jesus, I give you my life, have it all. And we sing songs like that sometimes, don't we? I surrender all, have it all, like, you know, take up my cross, you're my Lord and my King. And we declare that stuff on a regular basis in churches, and, and we believe that. And yet, and yet, how many of us at the same time are saying, God, here's my whole life, keep a little bit back? Yeah? There's a few nods going on. I'm with you, those of you that are nodding. We do that. We have these little bits of our lives that we go, you can have it all, Lord, but this bit... This, this bit's a little bit, I don't know, twisty, it's a little bit dark, 
It's a little bit painful. This bit's a little bit weird. It's a little bit messy. And I'm not ready to give that up just yet. I want to hold on to that. I, I don't want to give that up. I don't really want the God who created the universe, the God of all goodness, to see that, that part of my life. We do that. And yet, what we've got in Leviticus is a God that says, give me all your messy, give me all your weird, give me all your dark and twisty, let me speak into it. Let me speak into it. There's nothing that's off limits with this God. He wants to speak into everything. So it's worth noting here that um, the Bible uses a word. It uses the word unclean. Now that's not a word that we like, we like to use very much, is it? You wouldn't kind of say that the person next to you, you wouldn't say, oh, they're unclean. You wouldn't really do that, would you? I mean, they, they might be a bit smelly. You might want to hint at them having a shower. But we don't like to say that things are unclean. It's not something we're comfortable with. We like to be very PC in our modern, Western, enlightened world. And so the word unclean can sometimes be a bit uncomfortable for us. And we can look at it and we can think, oh, gosh, what on earth is the Bible talking about? But, um, but actually... Really, what unclean means is just the mess, just the messiness of life. That's what unclean means. We often, uh, I say often, how many of us often read Leviticus? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, But we can open this and we can read about all the unclean stuff. And we kind of go like this, oh, unclean, that's sin. And we instantly link unclean with sin. But guys, it, it, it isn't. Sin and unclean are two very different things in Leviticus. Okay, so sin has been dealt with at the start of Leviticus. Do you remember there were the sin offerings and all the sacrifices and that dealt with sin? This is a whole new section and it's talking about stuff that's unclean and it's not sin. It's very different. Those of you that have been walking this journey with us will will know I've used this word a number of times. But uh, sin in the Bible, the ancient Hebrew word is the word hatar. And it literally means to miss the mark. It's like an uh, an archer having a target, pulling his arrow, firing and, and missing the target, missing the mark. And so hatar or sin, what that really is about is how when we miss the mark of being a fully alive human being, the mark that God put on us was to be fully alive human being. Jesus came and said, I've come that you might have life and life in all of its fullness, all of its fullness, to be fully alive human beings. And so sin, hata, is about not being a fully alive human being. It's not about bad and good or right and wrong. It's about missing the mark of being fully alive. That's what sin is really about. And, and uncleanness has got nothing to do with that. Because if you look at this section on uncleanness, just one example, it talks about childbirth. And it talks about how that makes a person unclean. But actually, to give birth, to give new life, surely is being fully alive, right? That's one of the fullnesses of life that you can do, to bring new life into the world. And and yet, somehow there's an uncleanness about it. If you're going to bring new life into the world, then there needs to be sex and there needs to be semen. There are two other things in Leviticus that, that, that it's kind of going, oh, if a man and a woman have sexual intercourse and, and there's semen that is uh, transmitted, then that makes a person unclean. It, talk, it talks about that. And, and so actually, this isn't about wrong and right. This isn't about sin. This is about just the messiness of life. Like when fully alive human beings do life well, they get messy. When we walk along the path, the dirt and the dust of the path gets on us and we get messy. That's what this bit is about. 
It's just about life and how life gets messy sometimes. Anybody ever felt like life gets messy? Yeah, like it gets messy, doesn't it? Even when you're doing the good things and the right things and you're doing them well, it can get messy. And, um, and God wants to speak into that. He wants to speak into that. Uh, we know from Genesis chapter 1 that when God speaks... He brings order and beauty out of chaotic things. If you've never read Genesis chapter 1, it's it's a poem about the creation of the world. And and in it, God speaks. And as he speaks, darkness becomes light. Mess and chaos become ordered beauty with days and seasons and times and life and plants and birth and all that kind of thing. And so when God speaks, we know that he brings order and beauty into messy and chaotic things. Imagine for a moment... Imagine for a moment that you were living 4,000 years ago in the ancient Israelite camp and God, let's just say God hasn't spoken into life at all, okay? And, and in comes wandering a person who's been out hunting and as they come back in, they've got some weird skin thing going on on their body. What's our instant reaction? Whoa, stay out there, stay out there. Don't come near me. And, and often when life gets messy, we want to push other people away. Ever done that? Ever got so bogged down with stuff in life? I'm a complete extrovert. I love being around people. I love it. I know that something isn't right when I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to see anyone today. (laughs) Because something's not right in me. There's a messiness going on and you push people away. You do when life gets messy. Uh, The kids in school, you know, some kid comes in with a dodgy new haircut or isn't wearing their uniform right or has got like a mark on their face from something or other. And what do kids do? It's a natural instinct within us. And, and actually, it's probably there to protect us from, from getting ill, from getting close to things that might not be good for us. And so as human beings, we do that. We do that. But yet, God, he wants to speak into this because he's like, actually, this isn't bad. When God speaks, he says to his people, hey, when this happens, and it will, because life gets messy... Here's how you honour that person and honour the community and how you cleanse them and bring them back in. Here's how you restore people back into community. I love that. It's a God of good news. Isn't that good news? Isn't that an amazing thing? Like, don't you want someone to kind of bring you back in when you're out on a limb and you're feeling like life is messy? Don't we need people to get around us to do that? And that is what the God of Leviticus is wanting to do for his people. He's wanting to bring them back in. He's wanting to speak goodness and hope into the messiness of their lives. I don't know about you, but I long for that when I have days where my life feels like it's in a mess. I long for that. Um, I'd love us to just jump into Leviticus chapter 15, verse 31 for a moment. I'm just going to read this one verse. This verse appears at the end of the unclean bits. Okay, So the unclean bit kicks off in chapter 11 and it wraps up in chapter 15. uh, and And it says this. Uh, Verse 31, chapter 15. You must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean, so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. That's how this section ends. 
God says that. I just want to jump back to the beginning bit and how this section starts off, if that's okay. And it starts off after chapter 10. And the reason this bit is in there is because in chapter 10, something weird happens. Okay, In chapter 10, you've got Aaron, who's the high priest, and you've got two of his sons, whose names I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try. And, um, and they, they are priests as well, but they're not the high priest. And so there's certain areas within the temple or the tabernacle that they're not allowed to go to. But they do this thing where they, they get this fire in their like um, bowl sensor thing, okay? And, um, and the Bible calls it alien or strange or weird fire, messy fire, okay? And, and, and they take this messiness, they do this messy thing, and they go into the presence of God doing this messy thing. And do you know what happens? Fire comes out from the altar of God and it burns them up. It consumes them and they die. And then suddenly we get all these chapters about uncleanness. Because, because, God's a holy God. He is a holy God, and he can't not be who he isn't, okay? And, and, and you, we heard last week, Anthony was sharing with us about God being like fire. Well, sometimes, some things, you get too close to the fire, and they just burn up. That's just what happens. There are certain things that catch fire really easily, and it's like God saying here, this messy stuff can, can catch fire if it gets too close to me. And, and so what God says is this. He's like, I really want to be near you. You notice at the end, in chapter 15, the end of that bit, he says, my dwelling place which is among them, among them. I want to be near you. I want to be with you. And so that you can be near me, let me tell you how to make your lives fire retardant. Let me tell you how to, to, to make it safe. He doesn't say, you've done this terrible thing, cast you out from my presence, never want to see you again. He says, hey, sometimes life gets messy. But let me tell you how you can make it fire retardant again. Let me tell you how we can work and live together again. How you can know the blessing and the fullness of life that I've got for you again. Let me speak into that. And um, one of the other things you notice about this God in the book of Leviticus is, is this. So you have to imagine they're all camping in tents, right? They're wandering through the wilderness. They're not living in a city yet. And as they're wandering through the wilderness, they're camping in tents and they set their tents up in tribes. And they're kind of set up like a square, okay? And right in the middle of the, the, the camp, is the tabernacle, the, the holy tent, the dwelling place of God, right in the, the middle. God puts his presence right in the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of the mess. I love that. In the camp, all around God, there's eating and drinking, there's birth, there's death, there's sex, there's anger, there's forgiveness, uh, there's, there's all kinds of things going on, there's sickness, all this messiness of life is happening in the camp. And where is God? Right in the middle of it. Right in the middle of it. In the, in the middle where God dwells, you read in Leviticus, there are some really, um, some really kind of strict rules that he wants the priests to follow. So they have to do this particular offering that way, and this particular offering that way, and this particular thing that way. And then the, Leviticus tells us they did it just as the Lord commanded them. Just as the Lord commanded them, they did it. The reason for that is this. Because in the middle of their messiness, God sets up camp and he creates an ordered, beautiful place, a place of his presence, a place of peace, a place of hope. 
It's a place that when we're caught in the midst of the messiness of life and it all feels like too much, the people could go to the tabernacle and take part in one of these rituals. They could take part in one of these sacrifices and they could experience order and beauty. And when they're feeling anxious, they could find peace. When they're feeling downtrodden, they could find hope. When they're feeling uh, kind of just like everything has fallen apart and it's disaster, they could find joy. They could find that right in the middle. Um, I don't know about you, but I love that. And I need that. I need that. Like every day, I need that. In moments of messiness, like how much do we long for somewhere that gives us peace when we are feeling anxiety? How much do we long to find somewhere that gives us joy uh, and hope when, when we're feeling distressed and downtrodden? Like that is what God is all about in the book of Leviticus. Let me place myself right in the middle of your mess so that when it gets messy, you've got somewhere to come where you can find hope and joy and peace. And do you know what I love about it the most? How often when life gets messy do we suddenly think we have to go all the way over here to find something? We have to seek out this or seek out that or try the next best kind of uh, way of doing this, the next fad that gives us an answer to that. We're always reaching out, reaching out, trying to find the next thing. Hey, do you know what? You don't need to do that. You just need to stop and turn in because God places himself right in the middle of the messiness and he'll be found by you. That's where he is. You don't need to waste your energy on reaching out and get more stressed, more messy, more anxious. You, you just need to, to stop and turn in and find him in the midst of the messiness. What, what a God he is. Like, what good news is that? I, I love that. And guys, that's the book of Leviticus. The weirdest, most challenging book of the Bible is simply all about a God that loves us and is for us and is with us. Um, okay. This is my third point and my last thing then, and I just want to zoom in on a little chapter, if that's all right. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 14. And if you can find verse 33. Can you guys hear me okay? No, no. You, you can turn it up a little bit, Glenn, and maybe pump up the, uh, the, the loop system for those that have got hearing aids. Yeah. So in case you missed all of that, let me just start again. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> if you did miss all of that, you can listen online. <laughs> but a really quick summary. What I've said so far, in case you didn't hear, is Leviticus, which is the weirdest book in the Bible. It's all about a God who is good and a God who loves and a God who wants to place himself in the middle of the mess of our lives. There's nothing that this God wants to separate himself from. If you need hope and peace, joy, he has placed himself at the middle of the mess and you can find him there. That's what we've been talking about. So um, Leviticus chapter 14, verse 33. Um, we're just going to read a few verses of this together. So, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, God wants to speak into this. Yeah, oh, by the way, in your Bible, who's got the title that says, Cleansing from Defiling Moulds? Yeah, great. This is a section all about defiling moulds. You ready for this? The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when you enter the land of Canaan, which I'm giving you as your possession, and I put a spreading mold in a house in the land, the owner of the house must go and tell the priest, I've seen something that looks like a defiling mold in my house. The priest is to order the house to be emptied before he goes in to examine the mold so that nothing in the house will be pronounced unclean. 
After this, the priest is to go in and inspect the house. He is to examine the mold on the walls, and if it has a greenish or reddish depression that appears to be deeper than the surface of the wall, the priest shall go out of the doorway uh, of the house and close it up for seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall return to inspect the house. If the mold has spread on the walls, he is to order that the contaminated stones be torn out and thrown into an unclean place outside the town. Uh, it goes on. I'm not going to read the rest of it. You can scan down if you want. Basically, what's going on here is God saying this. When you get to the promised land, the land of Canaan, and you're there, and you move into the houses there, while you're living there, if a mold appears on the wall, uh, then here's what you need to do. Go get the priest, sort out all the stuff. They'll do this. They'll guide you on how to deal with the mold. So, a couple of things I want to pull out from this then. The first thing is this. God says, when you get to the land of Canaan. Now, those of you who know the story of the Bible will know that the land of Canaan is the promised land. The land where they were going to live fulfilled lives. A land flowing with milk and honey where everything was going to be good and God was going to be with them all the time. And he says this. When you get to that land, if a mold appears in your house, you're like, what? Hang on, when we're living in the good land and everything is good and we're a saved people and God is with us, mold can appear in my house. Yes, <laughs> yes, mold can appear even in times of goodness. Um, I want to think about mold like this, if this is okay. Mold is like a, a weird, messy kind of thing, yeah? Mold is like an annoying thing, right? Who, when you get into the shower, if you see a bit of mold, you're like, ugh hate mold yeah right the first thing I like to do is reach for the flash bleach spray give it a little spray let it sit there for a while and then just shower it off or wipe it off depending where in the house it is but molds annoying the first thing I think of if I ever see mold is like uh, like how annoying is that and guess what guys if you're a Christian or you're a churchgoer or you believe in God and and, and life is good because you're walking with Jesus even you can experience annoying things in your life yeah? Who is, who, who is a Christian here today and often experiences annoying things in their lives? Great. Most of us, fantastic, wonderful. We're not alone. We do. Uh, take a look around. Don't point, but are any of those annoying people? No, no, I'm joking. Um, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> That's not. Eyes front, everyone. Keep looking. Um, but, but even as Christians, annoying things can happen. Annoying things happen in our lives. Um, and, and, and the Bible in Leviticus teaches us how to deal with some of those things. And I want to just share some of the things on how to deal with annoying situations. Is that okay? The first thing that the Bible teaches us to do here is to go and get the priest. Go and get the priest. Well, we don't so much in our time since Jesus have set priests anymore okay because the bible teaches us that jesus is our great high priest and that we all of us if we believe in jesus are a royal priesthood if you believe in jesus you are now a priest congratulations you've got the job and um and, and that's it so all of us are priests if we believe in jesus royal priesthood that's what the bible says that's what we believe and so what that means is that when an annoying situation happens we have to go and get the priest well guess what most of us are actually pretty good at doing that anyway because when annoying things happen how many of us go straight to our friends or our loved ones or our colleagues or the person sat next to us or our family and we're like let me just tell you about this mold that's appeared in my life e.g let me just tell you about this annoying person that just rocked up in my week or let me tell you about this annoying situation we're quite good at doing that we, we do that we go find the priest and we just automatically share with them about the mold that has appeared in our week the, the question is this guys 
The person who's, who's being a priest to you, are they being a worldly priest or are they being a godly priest? Okay? Because a worldly priest will offer you this kind of advice. Uh, just, just ignore it. Cover it up. Move that thing in front of it. Just ignore it. Who's ever tried to just ignore a situation and it just got worse? Mold just grows if you ignore it, okay? So just, that's not a good one. Uh, another, another piece of advice that a worldly priest will give you is, is this. Well, you should go back in there in full anger and, and you should put your hand on it and tell that person or that situation that it is not welcome and that you are annoyed at that thing. What happens if you do that? You go back in and you disturb the mold and you put your hand on it. And you, just, you just spread it around. You just make it worse. Right? Or you do that thing, you're like, right, well, you go back in there and you tell that mold that it's not welcome in your place in your life. You get your sledgehammer and you give it your best shot and you just knock that piece of wall out. Anyone ever gone back in and done that kind of thing? What happens when you do that? You knock out the wall and the whole house comes down. <laughs> you hadn't started off with a little bit of mold and now you've ruined everything. It's like, but that happens, hey? That can happen. Here's what a godly priest will tell you to do. Okay, here's what a godly priest will tell you to do. They'll come up to you and they'll say this. Hey, how about what we'll do is we'll get you and we'll get all your stuff and all your life and we'll move you out of the way. You notice how in the passage the priest gets all of the person's possessions out of the house so that the mold doesn't get on their stuff? Let's get you out the way of the annoying situation so that it doesn't contaminate you even more. And then let's just give it some space and let's see if it disappears or, or if it multiplies and spreads. Let's see what happens. But let's get you out the way of it. That's really, you have to be really humble to do that. I mean, like, you have to be really humble to see an annoying situation and to think, I'm going to remove myself from this. Because most of us are full of pride and we want to go in and be like, how dare you do this to my thing? How dare you grow in my life? But actually, the Bible teaches us, let's get out the way of the mold so that it doesn't affect us. When mold shows up in the life of a disciple of Jesus, everything gets exposed. Everything gets exposed. Leviticus says, when mold shows up, get all your stuff out. Here's the problem with that. Most of us have spent most of our lives trying to keep some things inside. You with me? There are things in our lives that we don't want exposed. There are parts of us that we don't want people to see. And we hold on to them and we try and keep them locked up inside. And some of us have been doing that for a very, very long time. But when a mold appears, when an annoying situation happens, everything gets exposed. How, how often does this happen where someone annoys you and what your first response is, out comes my frustration, out comes my anger and my wrath. You know, that, that, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? And, and actually, the reality is, is probably, it's not that annoying situation that deserves our anger and our frustration. It's probably something that happened a year ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, that we've been holding on to ever since. And we've been so good at holding it inside, but suddenly that mold appears, that annoying situation, and boom, out comes everything that we've been trying to hide. Out comes everything that we've been trying to hide. And, and, and I, I think that often when that happens, we actually get frustrated at ourselves or we get judgy at the people around us that do that. You know, when an annoying situation happens and someone's anger and frustration comes out or they react in a way that we don't think they should have done, we can get quite like, oh, look at them. 
gosh, doing that bad thing. But I, I want to put a suggestion out there today. I want to suggest that um, maybe God is up to something. Because did you notice when we read that passage in Leviticus 14 that um, God actually said this, when you get to the land of Canaan and I cause a defiling mold to appear in your house. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> God caused the defiling mold to appear in my life? God caused the annoying situation or the annoying person to rock up in my life? Maybe. Maybe. And here's why I think he does that. Because God wants defiling molds to mold disciples. God wants defiling molds to mold disciples. He wants annoying situations to bring us out of our comfort zone so that we might become more like Jesus. So that we might see the things that we've been hanging on to. Like, it takes a lot of effort and energy to hold on to anger, to hold on to frustration, to hold on to hurt, to hold on to unforgiveness. It takes a lot of, of, of energy to do that. And so I think that sometimes God uses those things to push that out of us, to get it out of our house so that we can see it. Because he wants us to be free of it. He wants us to be free of it. Um, he wants to bring those things into the light. And I'm, I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm going to end with this. If you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, I just want to read from verse 8 in Ephesians chapter 5. It says this. For you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, I don't think that means go around exposing other people's fruitless deeds of darkness, okay? That's not what we're called to do. Let me just put that out there. What that means is you have nothing to do with the darkness that's going on in your life. You expose the things in you that aren't good. You become a better person. You put that stuff into the light and be more like Jesus. Expose that stuff within you. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes, uh, it becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. Now listen to that. Everything exposed by the light. Now, that doesn't mean, like I said, walking around and out of bitterness exposing other people's darkness. That means doing it in love. That means because you love yourself, because you know that God loves you, bring out the things in you that need to be exposed. And, and we're often fearful of doing that, right? Like how many of us want our deep, dark secrets to be exposed or the, or the anger that we hold on to or the resentment or the unforgiveness that eats away at us inside? How many of us want that to come out? We don't because we're worried that the people around us will judge us if that comes out. We're worried that how could a loving God possibly love me if he really knew what I was like? How? How could that happen? But do you notice what this says? It says this, it says that when things are brought into the light, they become light. The light of Jesus isn't like any other light. When it, when it shines upon those things, they become light. They become transformed. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. 
Get out of your tomb that is cold and moldy. Get your stuff out of that house where that mold is growing and let Jesus' light shine on you and transform who you are. Let him deal with the things that you've been holding on to. Let him bring you freedom from those things that are eating you up. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. So when that annoying situation happens or that mold in our life grows, make the most of that opportunity. Here's a good opportunity to get the things out into the light and to be transformed by Jesus. Make the most of it. When someone is bringing something out of you that you don't like, don't start pointing the finger at them. Look what they're doing. Point the finger at yourself. Look in the mirror. Gosh, what am I becoming like because of this situation? Make the most of it and let it transform you. Uh, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Always giving thanks to God, even when there's a mold, (laughs) even when the situation is annoying. For everything even for the mold, even for the annoying person or the annoying situation. Give thanks to God. Why? Because that situation is helping me to change, to surrender to Jesus and to be transformed more and more into his likeness. Give thanks to him in every situation. Guys, I I, I hope you followed what I've been saying today. Um, But basically this, the book of Leviticus tells us about a God who is interested in the whole of our lives, every bit of it, even the messy bits, even the messy bits, the dark, twisty bits that we hold on to and we hide, that we hope that no one will ever find out about. He is interested into that. And if you'll let him, he's a God who wants to speak into our lives and bring order and beauty and freedom from the things that are messy and that have been binding us up and that have been keeping us captive. And he will use all the moments, all the parts, all the areas, all the moldy bits of our lives. He'll use them to help set us free and to draw us closer to him because he's a God who places himself right at the middle of the mess because he wants you to know him because he believes that if you know him, that's the best thing for you. And there is hope and there is freedom and there is love and there is joy and there is peace in his presence. That is what the book of Leviticus is all about. It's about a God who is for his people, loves his people and wants to meet with his people. Nothing's off limits for this God. So today, if there's something that you're holding off limits from him, I want to encourage you just to lay that down. And just, you don't need to tell anyone else around you But you can come before Jesus and just pray to him and you can say, God, I've been holding on to this and I want to let go of it today. I want this to come out into your light and be light and I want to be free from it. And I want to know your presence in the middle of my mess. We're going to worship Jesus.